We've been all over the NCAA and somebody's been all over JMU trying to get a word, positive word, of course, from the NCAA. Shane Metlin covers them for the Harrisonburg Daily News Record and he joins us right now to kick off part two of covering the Commonwealth. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with now to the JMU Dukes. With Shane Metlin, Daily News Record with us here in the Fast Lane. Shane, before we actually get to the fun stuff, making fun of the NCAA and the college football playoff, the actual game itself, which is equally fun for JMU fans because they went on the road and manhandled Marshall physically. How much did you know early in that game it was going to be a long night for the herd, just given how JMU's defense came to play and they were able to key in on Marshall and their, especially without Rashina Lee, down running game? Yeah, I think it was pretty clear from the beginning Marshall was going to have a hard time scoring points, and all the points they did score were either a defensive safety or a special teams touchdown. Um, like I said, it was pretty clear from the beginning that was going to be the case for JMU's defense. The offense took a little while to get going, especially – inside the 20s. They, they moved the ball in the first half, just didn't get a whole lot of points. And it was 3-2 to two at one point, but I don't think there was ever really a ton of concern on the JMU sidelines that they weren't going to kind of just take control of that game at some point. Meanwhile, they get Old Dominion this coming Saturday night, 8 o'clock kickoff from Harrisonburg, Virginia. They're ranked, barely, but they're ranked. 25th in the top 25 polls right now. How concerned should JMU fans be that this team may experience the classic letdown now that they've been ranked? I think it helps that they experienced the classic letdown last year, the week that they got ranked. And, you know, they've been through that. A lot of the guys on the team have went through that. They've, you know, they've been dealing with some outside just I'm outside distractions the entire season when it comes to, you know, the NCAA stuff you alluded to before and everything. Um, so I think they're pretty good at handling those things. Uh, but you, you never know when it's, you know, all piling up on top of each other. It's homecoming, it's ranked teams, it's an in-state rival. There, there's a lot of things that could factor into just how they come out prepared mentally. The Royal rivalry, to be more specific, the fun of the Old Dominion Monarchs at the JMU Dukes. And that's a topic we're discussing now with Shane Metlin, Harrisonburg Daily News Record. He's with us in the fast lane. Two parts to this NCAA situation. One, um, did you expect NCAA President Charlie Baker to do anything but uh, politely reject the letter from Virginia Attorney General Jason Meares asking for a waiver for postseason eligibility in their second year of transitioning from 1AA FCS to 1A FBS? Well, I mean, I, I thought it was possible he might uh, put off making any kind of decision a little longer than he did. <laughs> Maybe pretend like he hadn't received it quite yet or something. But no, not not too surprised that nothing changed along those lines. Um, maybe a little surprised about some of the um, some of the reasoning inside the letter for continuing to to uh, deny the waiver request. But um, not surprised that nothing's happened on that front yet. Meanwhile, the college football playoff. Their spokesperson said JMU will not be considered for a New Year's Six Bowl regardless of the Duke's bowl status via a lack of otherwise eligible teams. This runs counter, by the way, to what you had gained from JMU and Sunbelt Conference officials last week, Shane. Um, a bigger, big question, I'm just curious. 
Why is it that nobody will just literally... I'm going to get real graphic here. Stick their middle fingers up to the NCAA and say, to heck with what you guys think. You have no power anyway. This rule is absolutely ridiculous. A team like JMU should be allowed. Why will nobody stand up to that? Well, a lot of our state politicians are starting to kind of make that uh, make that point right now. Uh, you can get on Twitter and look at uh, some of the state senators and things. They're, they're, they're raising a little bit of a stink. Um, so... We'll see if anything happens with that. You know, I don't know. The, the college football playoff thing surprised me more than the NCAA just because, you know, everything I'd heard was that if JMU was bowl eligible by the end of the season, which they could be if there's not enough six-win teams, that then they'd start to be considered by the college football playoff. Um, but I, So I was sort of surprised that that was written off so quickly until maybe waiting to see what ends up happening if JMU continues to win uh, and what happens there. But um, yeah, that, that part was a little bit surprising to me just because um, it wasn't what I had been hearing. But I don't think anybody was really prepared for – you know, having to deal with any of this. Nobody expected a second-year transition team to be in position to be talking about a New Year's Six Bowl. So I think it caught some people off guard. Indeed, it did. And yet here we are with JMU. These are good problems to have. Much like the insight is great to have from Shane Metlin, Harrisonburg Daily News record. Shane, uh, we'll chat again next week and see if this story gets louder and louder. All right, appreciate it. Shane Metlin with us here in the fast lane, touching on JMU. NASCAR. Yes, now to NASCAR indeed, with Taylor Kornoff making his debut from FrontStretch.com. And he was down on South Beach or Homestead, Miami, miles away from South Beach, to be technical about it. Taylor, a pleasure to have you step into the fast lane today. Thank you very much. Do you expect the amount of chaos that unfolded over the final 100 laps of the race yesterday to actually be that way? I mean, not at all. Um, I mean, last year we saw Kyle Larson dominate, and it was it was something to see that then. But really, there wasn't a lot that was going on in the race. I mean, Martin Truex Jr. got spun and whatnot, and there were some other things. But really, it was, it was the Kyle Larson show. But this race, it was the Kyle Larson show, and then it ended up becoming – a show of everybody else in both the best and the worst way possible. And for the other races and the other series, it's the same thing, really. Kyle Larson, you mentioned him first. He was in control of this race until he tried to pit and couldn't quite break and gets his car roughed up by making contact with the wall. Is he still the driver that you would identify as the favorite in Phoenix, just given how much speed he and that Hendrick team have had, plus the success they've shown at that track? Not a doubt. Not a doubt. Um, I mean, Kyle Larson, he's been kind of in and out. He's been, I guess, checkers or wreckers would be the right term there. But, I mean, at the end of the day, in high-pressure situations, it's shown that that entire team, not just Kyle Larson, everybody, the, the pit crew, crew chief, the, every single aspect of it. I mean, the owner, owners, actually, they're heavily involved in it, and it's really really well put together every single part it's like clockwork so i i see them motoring on into this championship and i think without a doubt he is still the favorite taylor cornhoff frontstretch.com with us in the fast lane then there's the other angle to this 
Ryan Blaney ran well. He now all of a sudden has inserted himself into this picture. Christopher Bell, he's obviously in because he's got the victory. And Hamlin and Truex may find themselves on the way out. Plus, it's dicey for the Liberty University car of William Byron. How does all of this shake out once we get through Martinsville? Well, I mean, when you look at it, all of these playoff drivers are really, really good at Martinsville, or at least they have the potential to be. I mean, Byron's won there. Hamlin's had a lot of success there. Blaney's, I mean, he's, he's pretty good at Martinsville. He's had some success there at Martinsville. Um, and, I mean, Busher, I mean, the RFK guys, they've shown that they have a lot of short track speed. So, really, it's up in the air because randomly some playoff drivers just don't show up, like Martin Shorts Jr., for example. But then, Sometimes it'll just he'll flick a switch and he'll be there. And of course, Martinsville, Martin, Martin Truex Jr. He, that's one of his best tracks. So it's like way up in the air. But um, yeah, it could it could be anything. But it's definitely going to be hard for drivers like Chris Busher. But everybody else, depending on the chaos that can happen, especially like we saw last year, it, it's anybody's game, really. Chatting with Taylor Kornoff, NASCARFrontStretch.com. Taylor, appreciate your time today. Thank you much for joining us in the fast lane. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure. Taylor Kornoff, stepping into the fast lane. And last but not least, or maybe least, that professional football team in Landover, Maryland, or is it Ashburn, Virginia? The Washington Commanders. They held the Giants to 14 points, yet they could not come up with the win. They fall 14-7 in what had to have been a frustrating day in North New Jersey against what I will call the New Jersey Giants because they're based in Jersey and play in Jersey, but they attach New York to their name. Can you blame them, really? Seawall, a pleasure to be speaking with you today in the fast lane. The frustration that Jonathan Allen in particular led out in the locker room. Take us through what you saw when you were there and Jonathan Allen expressed his frustration with words that we hope you don't repeat here today in the fast lane. Here's what I will tell you all. Full disclosure, I saw Jonathan Allen from a distance. I saw the look on his face inside of the locker room when all of the media proceeded over there. And I said, you know what? That's not going to go well. And I went the other direction. Uh So I did not. I was not in the media scrum when all of that went down. But I can tell you the energy, the vibe, the look, you name it. All of that had all of the makings of exactly what ended up going viral and what his response was and what he was and many of the other players were feeling like on yesterday. Is it bad for that team to have someone go, I wouldn't say nuclear, but be very spirited the way Jonathan Allen was? Or is this something that's needed in this franchise to be candid has lacked in previous times? I think it's something that's needed. I think that there was so much energy going right into the season, right at the beginning, because there is new ownership, right? And we talked about that on this show, where it was like everyone's excited, everyone's ready to go. Uh, the, the organization feels like they have the pieces. They have an answer in Sam Howell. They have an answer in um, offensive coordinator um, Eric Bieniemy. You know, Jack Del Rio has his ball hawk, hawk uh, DBs and Emmanuel Forbes and Quan Martin. The pieces were just there and just continuing to come together with the moves they made in the last last offseason, yet here they are yet again, as they were last year and in other years past, 
still not looking like they're, they're, they're ready for prime time and definitely not ready for the playoffs. I think it needed to be said. Someone had to say it, and why not a leader the caliber of Jonathan Allen to be the one to say it? I'm pretty sure he was saying what everybody else was thinking. A lot of people wanted to see Eric Bieniemy get a chance at offensive coordinator. We would be in that category as well. But the struggles that the Washington Commanders showed yesterday at the New York Giants as Candy Waller is with us here in the fast lane on W226BG Timberlake, WVGMA in Lynchburg, WMA Gretna, Danville Southside. How much of the offensive struggles have to go to Eric Bieniemy for the offense having another game where it was not up to par? I think it's, it's it's an area now where he has to take some of the ownership. We've heard Coach Bieniemy say it in other weeks. You know, Sam's got to learn. He's got to move forward. You just got to keep plugging away. Sam's doing fine. But yesterday was a little problematic. I mean, even from my perspective and sitting in the press box, I saw a Sam Howell that looked panicked and overwhelmed at times. And that's not even used to what I'm seeing, Sam, and being very calm and poised in the face of adversity. So I think there needs to be some ownership there. That offensive line is having a, t- a tough time. And as a result, as is Sam Howell, and that showed up yesterday. So something's going to have to shift in what's resonating with this offense and what's not. See, well, last one for you. We're looking ahead to the trade deadline. We're about a week or so away from that. Do you expect movement from this franchise with the names like Sweat and Young being bantied about and the fact that they've got the same agent means uh, they both kind of know what the plans are? Or do you see this as a win-now situation for this coaching staff and management and they're less likely to move on from either one of them? I think it's definitely a win-now situation. Coach Rivera in the the, uh, Zoom with the media today told us they're not going to be making a whole bunch of moves. It's not going to be all about that. But we hear a lot of teams say that and still make moves. So I think it's something that everyone needs to be paying attention to until the trade deadline passed. That there has been conversations and rumors about those two names. And Chase Young has definitely been playing very well in the last few weeks. So we'll see what happens. Seawall, astute enough to know when, well, sparks might be flying in a locker room and astute enough to be able to see through what's actually being said by management of the Washington Commanders, which is why she's with us today here in the Fast Lane. Candy, thank you much for your time. We always appreciate it, and we look forward to chatting again in another week. Talk to you all again soon. Candy Waller, Seawall Sports and Entertainment, with us here once again in the Fast Lane. That does it for us today. Plenty of ACC basketball talk the next couple of days, mixed in with some Liberty Flames football because they are at Western Kentucky. All of that coming your way starting tomorrow in the Fast Lane. In the meantime, Fast Lane Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where you listen to podcasts. Trey Law VT is platforms. And a reminder tonight at 7 30, it's the San Francisco 49ers at the Minnesota Vikings right here on CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg.